breakdowns. Welcome back to the Chill Sounds and Breakdowns podcast. We are on episode 94, and I'm I'm a little starstruck right now because uh, I've, I've been following this person for actually quite a while, and this new project is absolutely insanely great and awesome. But today we have uh, Kristen Hope from Daydrake. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for stopping by. Honestly, like you, I've I've been following you since Aesop was the first thing that I first heard, um, and Aesop was so cool to me because I I love that like atmospheric just kind of sound. Um, mm-hmm. It was I think right when I started trying to experiment with space in music because I was used, so used to like just metal jamming that had, it yeah, in. everything yeah. that had like trying to fill everything into it, but that idea of like space and that was the first project that I that I listened to um, on. Um, which is where I got to know like who you were and who like Cody was, uh, Cody Casillas and like Clay. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, was was that? But um, was looking a little bit into. I think that was your first metal project. Is that correct? It was my first project At all? ever. Oh, okay, I had never done any kind of foray into music. I was super shy, so the idea of getting on stage and singing and performing was just out of my league in mm-hmm. my mind. I, w- I started off as a visual artist, so I drew and I kept to myself. And I loved singing, but it never occurred to me that I would do it. Really? And so when I met Clay, uh, it took us a little while, and we finally started writing some pop songs, mm-hmm. you know, just him and I. And we actually put out a, the first song under Aesop mm-hmm. was Anomaly, yeah. and it was a pop version of that. And then after that, you know, we started getting into like, oh, let's let's try some heavy stuff. Let's try some prog. Okay. And I had never heard of prog. Yeah. He'd shown me Tesseract and some others, and I was kind of like, eh, maybe. I don't really know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but okay. And then I got more into Tesseract, and I started understanding what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And so when we got into Aesop, I was like, okay, cool. I think I get it. And okay. so I was just kind of like playing around. I had no knowledge of music, honestly, mm-hmm. besides just I loved singing, and that's all I knew. And so I took a couple singing lessons. I got more into it, built up my confidence. And then we started writing for Aesop, like, you know, in the prog version. Yeah. So um, you were saying about love for singing. I did a little bit of, like, digging into it. But you um, were big into, like, karaoke before that. That's what kind of, I guess, gave you your... Uh, I guess sea legs for like singing and into like just being able to sing in front of people. Was that like your first experience into it? Yes. So I grew up, um, I'm Filipino. So Filipino parties, it's all about food and karaoke. Okay. And so my favorite thing was just sitting in front of the TV and singing. And I wouldn't look at anyone behind me because I was super scared. (laughs) But I loved just singing my heart out because it was, it just felt good. It Mm -hmm. felt right. And so I would shyly sing in the bathroom like when I knew nobody was home. And I just, I loved it, but I was too scared to ever do it publicly. And then I got into like public karaoke and getting on the stage and it was kind of a rush for me and it was fun. And so I would just stick to karaoke and I thought, you know, that's as far as I'll go. I yeah. never, it never occurred to me that people recorded their own music in their house. Yeah. I, I was under the mindset that you have to go to the studio, you have to be signed, you have to be mm. like a professional level. And then I met Clay and he, he showed me his instrumental CD yeah. and I was like, wait, that's you? You did that. You recorded that. And he was like, yeah. And and so, you know, that blew my mind. And mm. then I understood that people were making music at just, you know, any level now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the availability of just like being able to produce your own things at home is exponentially increased like over the years. But like now um, it's almost like everybody who is making music needs to have that like to, so you can capture like ideas like as, as quickly as you can and just... Uh, 
one thing I think you were uh, you mentioned in, in an interview that, that I was um, seeing is that for people to get better at singing is like to actually like record yourself and put yourself out there and stuff like that. But uh, putting that in the public eye is a little intimidating sometimes. Mm-hmm. But being able to do it at home and just like recording over and over and you listening to like okay that's what I sound like because um, I don't know in in my experience um, when I was a vocalist is translating the fact of like what I think I sound like to what I actually sound like like is an is interesting is an interesting like transition to realize like oh this is my actual voice and learning how to act to manage like what your voice is capable of um but yeah having those in-home studios like helps a lot and um yeah Clay's been doing it for quite a while so um being able to see that that's possible is very encouraging to try to like get your um I guess, vocals out as well. But Aesop is where you first started writing. Um, did you, uh, I know with singing, you've been singing forever, but then um, how about writing? How was your first like introduction like to writing? How was that? So when I was in high school and I was in, you know, my formative emo years, yeah. of, you know, I'm in my feelings and I have them all angsty. I would write acapella songs and I would just write lyrics mm-hmm. and I would memorize the melody and I would go to my school's empty hallway and I would sing it and pretend I had this song. It was very Evanescence-like, yeah. if you can imagine. <laughs> um, but I would that was my form of writing music. I didn't have any structure. I didn't understand there was, you know, some kind of like verse, chorus, like, you know, bridge and things like that. I just would write lyrics and sing through it once. And I was like, that's a song. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess you could say I had experience. I'd mm. always been into poetry and, you know, mm. reading and all those things. So that helped with the vocabulary and understanding creative writing. Okay. Um, and then, you know, when it got to Aesop, it was just a matter of putting that poetry and that kind of creative writing into the structure. So obviously with Prague, it wasn't so straightforward and I had more freedom, which was a good and a bad thing because I didn't understand music structure. I just kind of did things and it worked. Mm. At the same time, obviously like it was very rudimentary and I was trying to like fumble my way through, you know, writing music, but it was still, it was really fun and it honestly built the foundation for where I am today. Yeah, um, and talking about today, which today your your project is Daedric, which is absolutely insane. Like the 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 album was amazing, first Thank of all. You. Like that album was uh, really great. But um, I felt like when it showed up when I first started hearing, which was uh, back in what twenty twenty one, I yeah, think. 21. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it it just came uh, just guns blazing. Like it it just came out uh, with everything really well done. Like the song. Um, the type of style, like it was, um, how did this, because this project came out and it was just you fronting it at the moment. Um, how did you decide to start doing that structure? Just like, were you writing it yourself? Yeah. So funny enough, Daedric started the, almost the same way Aesop did, okay. where it was like, we're going to be this pop synth, electronic, kind of dark, maybe more like Halsey than mm-hmm. it, where it is today. Interesting. Okay. So if you listen to Wretched alone, like just as a single, yeah. you understand like where we were going. It was mm-hmm. this dark synthy feel. Uh, no screaming, no harsh vocals. And I don't even think there's grit in there. Yeah. And we decided early on when we were writing and when we were forming, you know, Daedric, we said, okay, we're going to market it as, you know, a pop project where it's like, you know, Billie Eilish or Taylor Swift, it's just them. And then they have a full band, yeah. but nobody acknowledges them as members or like it's not this group. Yeah, it's just the person. And we thought that'd be easiest because, you know, I'm used to handling that kind of pressure. It wasn't a big deal for me. And also Clay and Jeff just didn't want to be on, you know, in the front end of it. They wanted to be more back end producers working on the, you know, the fine tunings of things. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I was cool with that. It was, it was 
was pretty natural for me to do. Mm-hmm. And so we started off that way and just continued. And now we do have, you know, people playing in the band, like in the music video, you'll see people, mm-hmm. but they're masked because, you know, we don't really have any members or anything like that. Just the the three of us are Daedric. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that the three of you are like Daedric. And then um, it... Uh, from what I was seeing, like the the, the mortal, I think uh, video was the first one that had like the full band um, yes. uh, in there. But again, it was just people masks and stuff. Um, okay, so that project started with y'all. Uh, it does it does create a sort of pressure for you because you are. I mean, it is a group doing it, but still, you are the face of that. So you have yeah. to make sure that you're um, kind of everywhere, which I think you do a really good job of Thank like you. putting stuff out. But it, that in itself, it's its own like. Grind, you know what I mean? Because people are like looking, because you are the face of that. So they're like, okay, like anything, if you need to explain, you know, a new album, new song coming out, something else, a music video, like it's all like you centered, especially like uh, the first few music videos are definitely like super um, just centered on you. Um, Right. Yeah. They're entirely me, which when I was working on those and I I edited Mm -hmm. most of them or at least partial edits of them, and I was like, wow, it's so boring. It's just my face over and over. Like, is there (laughs) anything else? And so, you know, after the second music video, I was like, okay, we need some kind of B-roll. Like, there has to be something that's not just me, 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 me on different <laughs> angles. And I was like, this is so lame. So I filmed the second one myself in my house, mm-hmm. and I had this concept of bringing in books and this whole, um, like, visceral imagery, and it kind of broke it up. And I think that paved the way for opening up for, like, storylines and narratives mm-hmm. that didn't involve me. Now, Dawn Breaker was just me, but, like, five, yeah. five versions of me, yeah. which is funny. And that was extraordinarily challenging. I, like, retrospectively, I kind of wish we had hired actors to play those, <laughs> but we didn't have the budget for it. Gotcha. So, you know, we just went in and I was doing costume changes left and right, back and forth, oh and it was insane. Yeah. But it was really fun, and it was just... I don't know. It's the creative part of that is like the coolest thing to me. Mm-hmm. I love acting. I love singing. Like all the things that I can do within that sphere mm-hmm. is just really fun for me. So I was actually that was one of the things I was going to bring up. Is do you have some sort of like background in like acting or even like dance choreography? Because some of the like just the movements and like the way you, um, I don't know, your facial expressions and everything just seem really like tightened up like they've been worked on you know what I mean like you it, it just feels natural it doesn't feel like out of place in any of the music videos um so I wanted to see if like that was something that maybe you had in your background yeah so I actually grew up dancing um it was something my mom forced me into and I did love it and then I didn't stay in it super long but mm-hmm. I was in all the things I was in ballet tap jazz and gymnastics all at once it would be like a full day of that oh my God. and so it's something I kept with me and I always just loved dancing. So I got into like freestyle dancing. I would take, you know, bachata, I would take um, hip hop classes and just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. But I just, I've always loved dancing and just moving. I never really did any acting, but I always wanted to. Oh, okay. So it was something where, you know, when I'm watching back the footage and editing, I'm saying, okay, I wish I had expressed myself more mm-hmm. because in real life, I actually am not super expressive. <laughs> okay. I have the, the RBF, you know, the classic oh. one. So <laughs> like right now, even I'm like, okay, hold your face. Hold so you your don't look pissed. <laughs> like I don't want to look pissed. And so I, I work on it, you know, every day. And especially when we're doing music videos, I'm very mm-hmm. cognizant of, okay, what is my face doing? Because I know later I'm going to look at it and say, oh, I didn't do enough. Because, you know, yeah. on camera you have to kind of overact to, mm-hmm. for it to show up. 
Like if you watch the Wretched music video, mm. I was instructed to not really enunciate to look sexy, mm. where it was just kind of the soft lip syncing. But it's on the chorus where there's an obvious belt, yeah. and I'm just barely mumbling, and it looks terrible. I got mm. there's so many comments where like I hate girls that do that, and they just don't sing, and they're trying <laughs> to look sexy, and I'm like. I know, I like hate I know. it too. So from then on, I was like, I swear, I'm okay with looking ugly on camera. There's so many shots of me in Mortal where I'm snarling and mm. I just look I, beastly. Which, go that it feels perfect with the actual song. And yeah. I, I think uh, it it definitely is reflected because I've seen like a ton of people react to that one especially yeah. and like freak out, you know, especially like on some of the big like screens and stuff. And it looks, it, it looks like you're doing that like actually like there every time, which um, I mean, I don't, I don't know the, the way it uh, went with, for filming the music video, but I know what I did. I was like, I try to do the actual screens once, and I'm just like, I'm so tired. Like, I can't do them like a Actually, ton of these times. You know what's crazy for yeah. that music video? I tried just like whispering to preserve my voice, mm-hmm. and I found that it was making me more tired. So I just started screaming. Really? So I actually was screaming for that oh, one. Perfect. And I don't know how I was, I did it. I did it for the whole day, and I was like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Because when I was whispering, I started feeling that exhaustion, and like, oh. I felt the strain in my voice, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to scream like F it I'm gonna go for it and and so like I'm actually screaming and you can hear some of the BTS footage like you can hear me screaming along with the track so it was it's a kind of a cool little fact although obviously that's never gonna go out but (laughs) you know it's cool that's cool um but yeah but definitely the um, what you're saying about being conscious of like what your facial expression is is something that is a big part of that to to invoke like emotion like to show yeah. like what you're actually feeling and for people to see that and uh, I was looking I like I saw like every music video when I was like preparing for this and uh, I noticed that a lot and, and in progressions of like how like more it was getting more expressive kind of it was getting um, and also just the intensity I guess that makes sense with what you're saying how Wretched started as trying to be like a, a, a different style and then evolving into what it is today um what was the turning point to, to where you're like, okay, we're just going to completely switch this and push this as, as hard as we can? Because it, it started to get aggressive because I think uh, – I remember when I uh, – only, I think only in the progression that came out, like the the vocal style on that was also different in like the way you sing. It was like this um, – I don't even know how to describe it, but it starts off and it it sounds like you're doing something completely different. Um, it's more intense. It's it's a singing, but it's a very strange singing, <laughs> yeah. um, which sounded so cool. But I was like, oh, this is this is a jump, like from what we were doing before. Um, so definitely grew in intensity. Was that um, on purpose? Like what what kind of jumped to where like oh we're just gonna change what we're doing? Yeah. So actually, the label found out I could scream. I guess they didn't really look at Aesop too much mm-hmm. and see any of the screaming, and they were like, oh, you can scream. Let's you know let's work on that. Let's add that into the music and so I was like you know what all right let's do it and so we did you know I had been doing some reels with screaming like that and and you know with Jeff and Clay they're like you know let's work it in maybe just something in the background so I think in Sepulchre there's a little background stuff there Mm -hmm. with some harsher things but only is where we really pushed it and that's where we tried to be experimental in the intro which Mm -hmm. has mixed reviews and I myself am on the fence I'm like it's really hard to hear sometimes but I'm like I know what we were going for yeah so it's like I don't know it's it's definitely like a super high strain yeah I liked it a lot yeah Yeah, when it came it did it definitely threw me off for a second yeah. but I'm like this is actually really cool when you, you look at the range of like what went into like what was before yeah. and what that is no I liked it a lot thank you um okay so you this 
It feels like the project came out right in in you were signed to Fixed, correct? Yes. I don't know. I keep saying fix it, and I keep saying, I'm like I don't think that's it. I think it's just fixed. Yeah. Um. So when the when you started the project, was it immediately like working in partnership with Fix already? Yes. So actually, Jeff kind of cold messaged me on Facebook, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Who's this guy?" And Clay was like, "Oh my God, that's Jeff Rockwell. He worked with Forever the Sickest Kids and like all these cool pop punk bands." Wow. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. <laughs> and Jeff basically pitched like, hey, I'm on this label with Fixed, and I think there's this hole in, in the niche that, uh, that they are working in where there's not very many female-fronted projects. And I was kind of like, eh, the female-fronted thing, I'm you know, not super keen on, but mm-hmm. I understand. And so you know, we heard him out, we met with him in the studio, and he said, you know, I, I want to pitch this dark, electronic, synthy thing with them, and we're going to start with just by recording a song, recording a music video, having the full like promo. I did like photos and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we pitched all of that to them. And they asked for a couple more demos, but then they were like, you know, we're, we're in. And so we signed. Um, it was like, I think early, early 21 before we even put the song out. Mm-hmm. And then they waited eight months to put it out. So then it went out in August. So it was almost a full year from writing and, and shooting all the music video stuff to actually putting it out. Wow. Okay. Um, that's cool. But I, I think that's that's a cool way to get, get everything already packaged up to be like, this is what we're going for. And then that way, um, it's not a guessing game, I guess, with the label. Now, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to uh, touch on this a little bit, but you mentioned you're not a, a super big fan of like the female fronted thing. Is that just like the having the term of like people just saying like, oh, it's a female fronted man? Or, or what exactly like is a little irky about that? It's so complicated because obviously, you know, I'm proud of being a girl that's in metal. Like Mm -hmm. it's still something where there's a little bit of that bias, you know, from some people, obviously it's gotten so much better, Mm -hmm. but it's hard when I hear, you know, female fronted vocalist or female vocalist, female guitarist. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you never hear male vocalist, male guitarist. Like, why are we separating it by, you know, by gender? Um, So I feel kind of mixed on like, I love the empowerment side of it. I hate the segregation of it. I don't like mm. that. There, I get so many comments where they're like, I don't prefer female screamers. I don't prefer female whatever. And I'm like, why does that matter? If the music's good, the music's good. Yeah. Like, let's be real. You know, Spearbox is out there killing it. You know, mm. you know Ginger, there's Entheos. So many people that are just amazing. And it doesn't matter, you know, what their genitals look like. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, I think it's so... I didn't really notice until people started really like... Talking about it, I was like, oh, female friend, of and I'm like, oh, you're right. Like, what? It, why? Why does it matter? Like, and I feel the more the term gets thrown around, the more you emphasize on that. Um, and instead of like, just this is just a band that I like and it's cool. It's like, oh, this is a band, but also here's an extra thing. Like, oh, that you, I don't think is necessarily like at the forefront because it's at the end of the day, it's just the the music and vocals and stuff like that, or, or whatever like you're listening to. Um, but yeah, I, I think I just wanted to see if that's that's what you were like aiming towards. But I think that is interesting. Where um, in the same age is still thrown out to that, or people liking it or not liking it for that specific thing, for a gender thing, is yeah. kind of interesting. Um, but in the way that you've blown up, you you do receive a lot of comments, and so you do receive a lot of stuff like that where people kind of throw that at you. Yeah, and it's it's on both sides. Both mm. people praising, like, I didn't know girls could do that. And so there's some good to it where I like that it's opening some people's eyes. Mm. The, you know, the misogynistic side of it, it's not so fun. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? People are entitled to their opinions. If they want to be biased about something, that's on them. It's not on me. Mm. But 
my real problem is that it's been used for marketing purposes, where they're like female fronted this and they push that agenda on the marketing end where that's where it gets a little icky for me where I'm like, don't market me because I'm a girl. Like market me because I'm really good at what I do. Yeah. Because I've worked really hard for this not, you know, I'm just, I'm a girl with boobs and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that. I guess that is where it would feel kind of, uh, a little gross even where it's like oh it's just being marked instead of like you know you're working hard and this is like you have not only talent but also you've persevered and just consistency and like putting out stuff like I said with one of the things that's evident with your uh, with Daedric is that there's there's so much work being done like at all times like yeah. you just um, not even in the form of just like content putting out but the way you put out your um, your music, your videos, you are very heavily involved in actually like the a lot of the musical production which when you were saying that you we're into kind of like the artist, the visual aspect of it before uh, before you started anything with music. You were, yeah. you know, drawing and doing stuff like that. That makes sense to why you're, I guess, drawn to the actual visual aspect of putting out like music as well. Um, but uh, is is that do you like being like a lot more ha- like hands on into like the visual aspect of stuff? Yeah. So early on, I was like, everything must go through me. I was kind of crazy. Like <laughs> yeah. I was very, very big on the visuals, and I wanted full control and making sure it was my vision and all these things. I have dialed back the crazy on that because I, <laughs> I realized it's just not feasible with my schedule, with the different places that I'm being pulled towards. Mm. Um, my energy needs to go towards the actual music more so than the visuals, and we have established that you know our standards and our branding and things like that so that's helped a lot but now I feel um, excited to actually pull back and allow other people's visions to come in and to color it in their own way because we've worked with some amazing videographers mm-hmm. and I have you know a photographer that I love and I love the little flavor that they put into it mm-hmm. and they even you know elevate it with you know their own experiences and their own knowledge because I don't know everything and I need to stop pretending that I do yeah. And so it's been really cool to just be more of the performer and more of the artist that's getting, you know, in front of the camera or in in front of the mic or whatever that is. And just, you know, doing what I'm meant to be doing and focusing less on controlling every aspect of it. But I do love having input, you know, where I feel like it matters. And it's it's cool to work with people that understand that I want that input. So they'll come to me and we'll have, you know, conversations or they'll check with me on a shot and be like, you know, do you like this? This is what you were thinking. And it's just more fun to let go now. Now, okay, mm-hmm. but it took a little bit before it. Yeah, felt okay. I mean, I, I get that because you have like a specific vision in mind, and like you want to make sure it turns out right. But I think with time progressed, like you've put together a pretty like nice team or people that you can trust, like yeah. with that, um, which is the hardest part of like finding out who to work with, whether it's producers, whether it's videographers or directors. Um, but the more, I guess, the more you go along with it, the more you're going to learn who who you can trust with like the vision that you want right. to put out. Um, but yeah, I, I did notice like at the beginning, I was looking at the credits of everything and I was like, oh, like you're either like editing like the video afterwards or like directing or doing something like, uh, or even like filming like the, um, one of them completely. Um, with, with Jadrick and like the, the following that's been built super quickly, I believe. So, um. How do you how do you feel about like having to keep that follow up up of like having to still think of ideas? Do you have like a strategy now of like how to as far as content goes and kind of like what do what am I putting out next? Like how do I keep putting stuff out? Yeah, part of me hates social media. To be honest, you know I'm just 
it's it's hard because it's obviously it's helped me in a lot of ways and in other ways it, it's kind of a suck like it takes so much from you to have all these things bombarded mm-hmm. from all the angles from feeling not good enough to not feeling pretty enough to feeling not rich enough whatever it is all these things bombarded on you so I'm very conscious of that when I do make content I I try not to put out things that I wouldn't want to consume myself. Mm. Um, in terms of the content where we are going this year, we're trying to kind of back away from the covers because people were only, you know, recognizing me for covers and mm. there would be a lot of cover requests and I'm like, okay, I don't want to be a cover band. Like mm. I want my music to be on the forefront. And so we kind of dialed back the covers or switched it up to where we're doing like kind of a cover, but I do my own take on it. So I'll actually write a part over it. Like I put out one yesterday over a throne song where I, I wrote my own part on it and then I, I screamed that part and then it, it goes into the actual song. Mm-hmm. So it shows more of our, my creative writing yeah. and less of, I can cover a song, you know, like, great. Yeah. Um, I want to showcase that, you know, we're doing our own stuff. We have a lot of original stuff out there and I want to kind of funnel people more into that mm-hmm. and highlight that more. Okay. Yeah, I, I have seen that uh, happen to like a few uh, a bands like that that get into covers and they're like, oh, the covers are really good. And then all they're asking is like, yeah, let me hear covers. And you're like, I am working really hard on like this original stuff, yeah. and and it gets overshadowed. So I think that I think that's definitely a good move. Um, but uh, you you touched on something, and it's creating content that you yourself would want to consume, which um, is going to lead me into the. Um, the the lyrical basis and even like the uh, in everything in the song itself um, is heavily influenced uh, by like your love of like Skyrim and like Elder Scrolls um, yeah. which is does that go hand in hand kind of just making songs that you with the lyrical content of like something that you actually enjoy a lot yeah so it's actually a pretty healthy mix of you know gaming and Skyrim and then also a lot of my personal experiences mm-hmm. so when I'm writing a song I'll take the concept from Skyrim but then I apply a story of my life or a, a theme of my life and write something that I can connect with and actually a lot of people have connected with as well which mm-hmm. surprised me because you know you're in your own world you think only I've gone through this sort yeah. of trauma <laughs> or whatever but the truth is a lot of people have similar stories and it's been amazing to hear people say, you know, you've gotten me through a, a bout of depression or you've helped me, you know, reconnect with music, things like that. And I'm just, I'm blown away because that is not something I expected going into this. I thought people would just be like, cool, gaming music. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of consume it and move on. But the connections that I've built with people across the board has just been incredible. And that's something that, you know, I'm forever grateful for, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't have anticipated. Yeah, it. Uh, you touched on it, and it's, and it's absolutely right. When when stuff is happening to you, like the the most traumatic times in your life, you you always think you're alone. And then, uh, uh, I guess that's why people always encourage, like, for you to to talk to to people or put it out. But I think music is one of the ways that I've connected with and realized that I'm like, oh, that like a lot of people feel the way that I do. You know what I mean? It's you're you're not alone. And then. Um, in your case, with putting out your music and getting to get that feedback, like kind of you know right back because like people are like easy to comment stuff like that, or even yeah. message you or send you messages and be like, hey, this did this for me. Um, it's kind of nice because our you put it out for whatever reason for you did, and then everybody else gets to interpret it their own way, and maybe it helps them out in right. something. Because like yeah, I've, I've I've got tons of songs that help me out that some of them don't even really pertain to whatever like the situation was, but I for some reason like that song made me get through whatever day or yeah. this and that. So it's it's a really cool when you get to see that, like, reflected back um, almost uh, immediately with people who were, like, common and stuff like that. But um, 
as far as music, you just put out the album, so you just put out Mortal. Um, what's the reception been so far for you? Overwhelmingly yeah. positive. I was expecting a good mix of, you know, people being like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. No, oh, maybe, no. maybe not that. Or just <laughs> like, no. having more heavy critique because it was our first album. Mm -hmm. The way it came together was a little bit unorthodox. It mm -hmm. wasn't like we had the whole album written and then we were ready to go. It was kind of written a little bit of, at a time. And then we did have a chunk of time where we wrote a majority towards the end. Um, so it ended up being more cohesive than I thought. Mm. Um, but I was surprised at all of the magazine reviews and all the people that, you know, I went and talked to and they were like, oh, it's amazing and this and that. And I'm like, wow, I was expecting a little more of like, oh, I could have been better, but good job on your yeah. debut <laughs> kind of thing. But no, it's been really nice. And I like that we have, you know, a bigger catalog now because, when we, you know, when Wretched came out, it was a single and everyone's like, Where's the rest? Where's like where's the like other songs? The <laughs> and I'm like I'm working on it. I promise. <laughs> yeah. It it's a lot to get songs out there because you know you have the actual writing process, all the supporting materials like music videos, promo photos, all those things, mm -hmm. and then you have to have a release schedule. So it's usually you know four to six weeks from when you're done. You submit to the label, or if you're doing it yourself, like DistroKid, it's great to have that lead time because then you can market it and you can um, promote it to actual Spotify curators or Apple curators, whoever you have for playlisting, and it just takes time. So it's it's a huge undertaking to prepare for that. Yeah. Yeah, like um, the release like schedule is is super important. Like I've seen with uh, with several like bands that release because um, – there is the itch, I think, as an artist to just want to put like something out, especially if you when you write something you love, it's like, oh, I need people to hear this. Um, but then the reality is like, how do you keep people, keep them listening to that or keep that relevant or keep you know, or remind them that it's coming out when um, I've had stuff that just drops. And I'm just like, oh, that was coming out. Like I had like no idea, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, it's I think I think that would be definitely one of like the really challenging parts to, to putting it and also just thinking of stuff to put out with it yeah, um, is must be intense. Yeah, we usually create some kind of campaign around it. Mm -hmm. You know, for the 115 cover that we did do last year, I wanted to create stuff around the actual game and things that were kind of quirky that we did for the song, you know, some of like that high scream, kind of showcasing that. And that ended up blowing up more than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was cool to think of like little skits here and there. And sometimes the skits make me cringe, but at the same time, like they're kind <laughs> Of fun to do yeah. at the same time, so um, I just kind of get through them, and then afterwards, like it's fine. I, I just let, let it go. It's part of the you know practicing acting and things yeah. like that, and it's trying to create content that doesn't get boring. Because mm -hmm. if I just did performance reel after performance reel of like different sections of the song, it'd be like I might as well have just played the whole song for you. Yeah, and so. Um, it's cool to think about little like funny things to do. Like, I just filmed a music video with Logan Young, and mm. that was fun. And he actually came up and stayed with us, and we filmed real content for that next day yeah. to promote the the actual song when it's time. So we have all the stuff backlogged, and that's really helped us a lot. It's mm. just having a bunch of ideas, and even if you don't film it all in one day, just having the ideas written down so whenever you have time to film them you can do that and have enough pieces of content to really promote it in different ways, you know, whether that's silly skits, whether that's performance stuff, whether it's showcasing the music video or just talking about it. Like, yeah. There's so many different ways now to promote your music in mm -hmm. your own way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I think you're doing the right thing as far as like getting a variety of stuff. One thing, it's good for 
whoever's you know consuming that is like, oh, there's different stuff coming up. But also for you, it keeps it interesting for you. You keep doing different things to promote it. And hopefully um, it's stuff that you like doing. Um, <laughs> you're saying some of them yeah. make you uh, cringe. I, I, I watched the... The uh, the twin interview one. I don't know why I laughed so hard. It's like, <laughs> like, like office style. Yeah, I love I love the way that was filmed, and then just like some of the stuff we like the cereal like on everywhere. Like just I was like, oh my god, like that's dirty. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that was actually Joe's idea. He, oh, really? we, it was because we had done that crossover between Evanescence and Lincoln Park. Yeah, and I just filmed both sides, and Clay was like, just put your hair up and wear a sweater, so it looks like kind of a different person, but yeah. obviously it's me. Yeah. <laughs> but so many people thought it was like my twin or just some other girl. Oh, really? Like so many, <laughs> to where it was out of hand and we were like, okay, this is silly. Yeah. So then Jeff had this great idea to do an office style interview where mm. it's both twins talking and they're talking about each other yeah. and how like one is like, so bubbly and happy, and the other one's like, "F it all!" Like I hate, yeah. I hate everything. Yeah, the cuts back and forth yeah. were great. Like literally, when from one talking to the other, I'm yeah. like, "Oh, that's so." That's yeah, bad. so it, it's very that stuff's fun for me. Yeah. Like getting to play extremely like different characters mm-hmm. that are just opposite was just so fun, and it's it's funny because I'm actually pretty much both of them. Like there's times yeah. where I'm bubbly and happy and nice, and there's times where I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you're like uh, us on here, but yeah, you I'm just it. like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I definitely feel that a lot. Um, I get that a lot with people who think that uh, I'm very, very like talkative and confident. Like in, in out in the wild, I'm like, oh, I'm I go in here. This is my own space. You yeah. understand that, right? Like I'm good. I'm safe. Yeah, like yeah. and then out in the world, like oh, they like they we're out talking. And I like I'm sometimes I'm awkward and it's like, hey man, I'm pretty sure they're thinking like, what what happened? Like it's not how he's like. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think, I think those are great ideas. And I think, again, it just keeps it interesting. It, it's, I, I always think of that stuff as like how I grew up with music and what I was searching for with like uh, bands and stuff. And I would always like, I would love, like, I remember um, when uh, a data member did for those who have heart, the uh, deluxe edition, they had like yeah. a whole studio vlog, but it was like a silly one. So they were all like just acting and stuff like that, but I would eat that up. Like, so any like bands that would put out stuff like that or like silly interviews and stuff like, so I, I would enjoy that quite a bit, and it would, I don't know, keep me more in touch with the band. Just uh, It makes it a little more personable and uh, relatable, I think. Absolutely. I've loved humanizing myself. You yeah. know, when you're on the internet and nobody knows you and they just see you, you seem so serious and so, you know, untouchable. And in the relation part of that, it makes it hard. So being able to humanize myself and, like, humble myself in, like, these silly ways, it makes people feel more in tune with me and, and understand, that, like, I'm just a person too. You know, yeah. I'm capable of fucking it up. I'm capable of being absolutely silly. I'm not this metal queen that's you know perfect <laughs> and um like this goddess and you that know sounds like a comment that was yeah, or something. It's, it, it's like it's so silly to me because yeah. i'm like guys like i'm behind the screen i'm a person so that's mm-hmm. why it baffles me when i get you know either those like raving great reviews from people that are just like you're the most beautiful person in the whole world i'm like eh. but then there's the other side where they're the like time. they're yep. so mean and oh yeah and i'm like guys like I'm I'm here reading this like I'm the one running this account. It's not a social media manager, mm. and there's people that will just say things that will blow your mind. That I feel even a few years ago I I wouldn't see that on not on Facebook and not on Instagram. Yeah. I know YouTube has been accessible for just a little bit. There, yeah, <laughs> or like if I was on Reddit or something, yeah. I'm sure I would see that. But it, it's just baffling to me that people will type it out in a public forum and press enter and say, you know what, that was a great comment. I'm really glad. From, yes, that. and then I realize more from like their own like 
like it's not even like burner accounts or anything. Yeah. Like they're like just like, oh yeah, this is what I'm saying. Dude. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is like so out of pocket. But yeah, that's that is one of the um I guess one of the big downsides for like the internet and stuff like that and social media is that how easy it isn't to dehumanize everybody. Like who's on the screen? Like, oh, that's not an actual person or even celebrity. It's not even like, I think the dehumanization used to be like celebrity. And now it's just like anybody on a screen anywhere. Um, I just saw like something where they were talking about this, this, this girl who like puts up like a bunch of content of her like job and stuff like that. And all of her comments are like hate comments. And it literally is just like vlogging her day and stuff. And I'm like, what are the people doing? You know what I mean? And it's, it's just so wild how, stupid it is and how easy it feels to be like oh I can just type this and there's absolutely like no consequence to it yeah. and it just keeps getting worse and worse of like what they'll push it to and say like and think it's okay to say that but forget that like you're saying it's an actual person like reading yeah. that about themselves you know it's um, so wild to me that someone is okay with that like they can just let it go once they present or they're like that's not on my conscience anymore because yeah. when I don't like something I just scroll or yes. you know leave the app whatever it is like go away. I'm never going to make myself comment, I hate this, or this sucks, mm. this ruined my day, whatever it is they that they comment. I'm just like, God, what happened to just leaving when you don't like something? There's a lot of like that going on now where everybody feels like they must, and, not, and I'm, you know, I'm generalizing, not everybody, but yeah. there's a big majority of the online community that feels like they need to engage with everything that upsets them. Um, immediately, or if they don't agree with something, like I need to put out my whole point here in this comment because this is about to, you know, make the giant difference right now. <laughs> I'm like, dude, a lot of time it does not matter. Like you can just scroll on and your life is going to be better. You know, yeah. what I mean? like you're not going to take in whatever negativity like you felt towards it's like, oh, let me just ignore that. Like if I don't like something, cool. I don't like it. It's not for me. Yeah. Also, if you comment, it's going to serve you more of that person's. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it doesn't know if you wrote something bad or good. It's like, you, oh, you interacted. You need There's to more. how the algorithm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I did. I did read that you started working on like the uh, a lot more of the heavier vocals during like COVID. Yeah. Um, that uh, was it. Just like the downtime is like this is when I want to try to do it. Um, but from what it sounds like, that means that Daedric really started just a few months like after. Yeah, <laughs> like, like you really started pushing that. Yeah, so it was crazy. I, I always loved the idea of screaming. Mm-hmm. I was so scared though because I'd only done clean singing. I hadn't even done any grit singing. I was just pure clean singing, mm-hmm. and I had no tra- no real training on anything. And so during COVID, I was like, you know what? Like if I'm gonna get injured, like now's the time to get injured. Mm-hmm. So I actually hit up Cheney from Entheos. Um, I, I was actually talking with Courtney and, and I asked her if she did lessons and she's like, no, but Cheney does. Mm. So um, she hooked me up with Cheney and I did a couple Skype lessons with her and she walked me through just some intro things and she was super sweet, like just the nicest person. Yeah. And she helped me kind of get through like, she's like, you're going to be sore. You're going to have some times where it's going to hurt mm-hmm. until you figure it out. But just, you know, when you get to a point where you can't do it anymore, just rest however many days, maybe a whole day, you know, a couple days, and then try it again and do it about 20 minutes a day until you start to understand your voice. And that really helped me kick it off. And at first, like, there were, I remember the first lesson I had with her afterwards, I couldn't talk. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so <laughs> Clay and I were going to a movie, and, and I was just like, <laughs> I can't talk. And he was just like, what happened? What? I'm like, I did my first vocal lesson and I was scared. I'm like, am I going to be, you know, mute forever? Is this forever? Yeah, is this oh, forever? No. And it took a couple tries until um, 
I got my lows first. That was mm-hmm. the easiest one because it, it was just so accessible. And then it was mids, and then you know highs are even still. I'm still kind of working on them, but mm-hmm. they're they're getting there. And so, um, I would say COVID was the majority of my my training. After um, I left off with Cheney, I just did it on my own. I did a couple covers. Veil of Maya was a huge turning point for me mm. because I did a cover of Doublespeak. And it, what I was doing when I was okay. doing those covers during COVID was I was taking the time to listen to each part and trying to understand how are they making those those sounds because mm. they were so unique to me. And I was trying to channel that exact tone. And I really loved Lucas's tone. It sounded very raw and emotional. Mm. And the same with Marcus of North Lane. I was like, these are two vocalists that I would model myself after. And so I did a Northland cover and, and the Veil of My cover. And those just really, really helped me so much because then I understood that I needed to make that exact sound and it wouldn't hurt. And mm-hmm. so it unlocked something for me. And then from there, just continuing to do like, you know, covers to analyze the different techniques, you know, doing my own stuff and just practicing every day. Um, that helps so much, and and now you know I feel pretty locked in, and it's cool because I feel like I've come full circle to where now like me and Lucas are friends, and I'm like, you inspire Yo, that's me, wild. you know? <laughs> and, he's, and now we're just like, I don't know, it's it's chill, but it's just it's cool that like he he was one of the key things for me, and now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I just know, just, him. I just yeah. know, him. <laughs> like that's sick. Yeah, Lucas is Lucas is amazing. Yeah, um, I think actually I I had never really gotten into Vela Maya. Um, until Lucas joined the band, and um, I think I heard uh, uh, Mika for the first yeah. time, and I'm just like, I was like, the song was amazing, but the fact that he, that I've always been a fan of the split of singing and screaming, mm-hmm. and just how great like he was, I'm just like, this is great. And then I saw them at uh, Tomcats of all places, like a, a really small venue, and just hearing him, like being able to hear like his vocals like perfectly, I'm just like. This is amazing. Like, so it's, it, I definitely see how he's like one of those like inspiring people, especially yeah. like for someone who also runs the balance of like yeah. singing and screaming, which, like you were saying, like you were scared of like really focusing on screaming because of like what it might do to your singing voice. But I mean, you obviously like put in the work to figure out like how not to damage that. Yeah. Um, as far as like right up until now, it's been an online project. Is there any like, like ideas of maybe taking it, actually getting a full band and maybe taking it out and touring it a little bit? Yeah. Actually, we have been working really hard over the holiday break to mm-hmm. um, build the LLC and kind of the behind the scenes things that you need in order to take it live in a way that's, you know, feasible. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing a lot of that back end work there to get in touch with booking managers and things like that to start to pitch us to different tours and different, you know, um, areas to play. And so I'm really excited. I'm really, really hoping that we can kick it off before the fall. Okay. I don't know how long things take. Honestly, I'm a little bit out of the loop on that, mm-hmm. but Clay's been handling it and he's starting to talk with the people and get us hooked up with some really awesome agents. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that we can get some really cool shows going soon. Yeah. Cause yeah. it, it, the more like I, I listen to the album and stuff, I'm like, this would sound like amazing, like live. It's, it's just like I didn't know if the plan was to keep it just like like an, uh, an internet thing or to plan to eventually tour. Especially since you've you've played in a band, and I feel like there would be like an itch to be like, oh, I want to do this in front of people again. Yeah, no, I. It's so funny when we started this project. I was like, I just want to be a studio project. I mm. never want to do live things again. And 
as time's gone on, you know, I feel that urge now to like perform and I, I love it. I love, you know, when we do the reels, I force Clay to make them live takes because I can't stand if it looks lip synced. The overdub, yeah. It yeah. drives me insane and only on myself. Like I'm not going out there being like, oh yeah, they're lip syncing. Yeah. Like I'm not going to do that, but I feel a certain sense of pride. I don't know what it is, but I get really excited when I'm like, that was a live take. Mm. I look crazy as hell. Like I don't always <laughs> look good. Like sometimes my, my face gets red and like my veins pop out and stuff. And I look <laughs> insane, but I'm like, you know what? Like that was live. Yeah. And I did that. And I, I do that not only for my own pride or ego, whatever you want to call it, but also so that I can practice for doing it live, you know, on stage. Mm. I want to be ready. I want to be ready to go through the vocal stamina of having to do a whole run. I like the one I did yesterday, but that was that was really hard because yeah. I, when I wrote the part, I didn't think about breathing because I'm stupid. <laughs> so I was like, I, I didn't after, think about breathing. <laughs> so I was like on the ground after I was like, Clay, please tell me that was good enough. <laughs> How many, was that just one or was it? It was my third take. Oh my yeah. gosh. So then after that, he was like, you know what? This is great. It sounds good. It's not, the cool thing is like, they don't have to be perfect. Cause I know yeah. when I go up there on stage, I'm not going to just nail every single note. I'm going to have to kind of dodge a few or take a few breaths and, and come in when I'm ready. But to be able to do those reels, which are like at least a minute straight, sometimes a minute and a half mm -hmm. of singing or screaming or both, it's cool to be able to do that and say like, I can do that much. How much more is it to do a full song? And then you get a you know a couple minutes of break and then the next song, it shouldn't be too hard. And with the way that we wrote Daedric songs, they aren't as intense as some of the reels I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, maybe mortal, maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. Although there's a lot of soft singing, so that helps a lot. But to, to rest there, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I think making them live takes just, uh, or I, I think the essence of why like you do that. Um, the authenticity is something that I think more people are drawn, whether they think about it or they don't. Um, at least from what I can tell with people, and I know what I can tell with myself, if if I can see that, that it doesn't feel fake or like perfected in a way where I'm like, oh, this, you know, everything got done. So it, where it feels inorganic, um, it kind of puts me off of the thing uh, a yeah. little bit, uh, a tiny bit with stuff. Um but when you see those like just real authentic like moments, it just I think it draws you more. Again, adds more of like a human aspect to the person, like, yeah. and it which makes it even cooler. It's like oh, that is just a person, but they're doing this really like cool thing right now, um, and I, I think it just adds a, uh, a bigger level of like admiration and just like respect for like the art. Um, so I think that's really cool that that's like a focus that you do. But yeah, it is super intense. Um, I've definitely never never been on tour. I've just played shows and. I remember figuring out, like, from the first show I ever played, like, where I, I was like, I, well, I wrote these songs. I can do them. Like, we practiced them. But then playing a live show and realizing that if I don't control, like, my adrenaline or issue, like, I'm done by, like, song two because I've just been, like, running around and <laughs> yeah. jumping. I'm like, okay, like, so I need to figure that out, too. Like, I was too Or excited. how to do, yeah. Or, like, <laughs> oh, I can do this screaming part, but can I do it? And then sing right after and then go back and be yeah. like, oh, God, the, the balance, like, is is intense. And then on tour, you have the added thing where you have to do it day after day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why like uh, uh, when I talk to like most of the people who like do tours, like yeah, sometimes like the next day, like if we have a day off, like I'm not talking, or like yeah. even after like on the road, and it's like yeah, I just have to kind of shut up like until yeah. I get there because like you have the vocal rest thing. Like I never understood that um, when I first started like listening to bands, like oh yeah, they're on vocal because I think someone told me once like oh they you know they're not coming out because they're on vocal rest right yeah. now. Like what is that? He's like, oh, they just don't talk. And I'm like, That's the oh. hardest thing. Yeah. You want to be social. Like, you're there to meet people mm -hmm. and like 
go around in you know different places that you've never been to. So it's incredibly hard to just be like, I have to be antisocial. Yeah. Because if if you're standing there silent, someone's talking at you, and they're like, Why aren't you engaging? You just you come off like an asshole. Yeah. Like, what do I do? So it's kind of a lose lose for vocalists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely had that happen. I think most people that I've run into, like they've have like a little bit of time where they'll talk to people and be like, all right, I got to bail. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I, one thing I just remembered, the funny thing is uh, before COVID, the last show I ever went to was an Aesop show. Oh, actually. really? Yeah, it was the one that actually in an RIP Gas Monkey. Uh, oh, was it the CD live, release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the last show that I ever uh, went to before like the shutdown or whatever. Um, yeah, that was just a random fact that just popped into my head. It just threw me off. But um yeah, the, the the authenticity in in everything. I think in like music. That's why like I like that what you're writing about. You're using something you love to you know also translate into your own experiences. That is you. Like that's what you actually enjoy, and you can tell just by the the care that you've taken into like the release of everything. Um, even like um, some of the just the. Um, like the wardrobe stuff that you you get, like the armor stuff, things like that. The attention to detail just shows like how much like you actually enjoy like all that stuff, at least from an outsider perspective yeah. looking in, um, which is really cool. And I think uh, I think that's a big draw into um, when people like an artist or like somebody who's like, oh, do you are you enjoying like what you – I've had a lot of run-ins with bands that – I've been like, oh, that's not, I don't think that's my thing. But then I see them having the time of their life, like playing a set, and I'm just like, I love this, like yeah. so much. Like um, – but but I think that's a that's a really big deal, and I I, I like that you actually take initiative to do that. Yeah. Um, so, twenty twenty four might have some might have some some live shows or some some touring. Um, what else do you have planned this year? Anything so, you're trying to focus on? Um, second album is probably going to release this year as well. Okay. Um, okay. We're going with a different uh, approach this time, mm-hmm. not just writing a couple singles. We're going to try to write at least half of it before mm-hmm. we begin to release anything. But I think we might have all of it done. I actually have about five songs written. Wow. Um, don't tell the label. Don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They'll probably say We'll bleep it out. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, it's cool. They know. We're, but I, I'm so stingy about sharing with them because mm-hmm. I want it to feel ready enough to where when we get the critiques back, it's not like, they're like, you know what, this is not really there yet. I'm like, it's, it's like, a oh, demo. It? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm trying to get enough material out there so that we can actually cut songs and um, really curate the list this time because we only, like, worked with what we had last time. Mm. And it turned out great, and I'm really proud of it. But this time I really want to take the time to be more specific and be more selective on this and be willing to throw things in the trash or even just put it on a back burner. Maybe mm-hmm. it goes on a deluxe release or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, just being more careful and more strategic about how I'm writing. And, and I want to make sure that I'm pushing the extremes. That's kind of my goal on this album is going even heavier and also going even softer, like mm. where it needs to be and not being afraid to experiment with different genres and different, you know, styles of things. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Um, the the writing sessions uh, now that it's going to be a little bit more. Um, I guess the intent is for it to be a little bit more cohesive since you're writing it all together. Um, which, like you were saying, the other one ended up working great. At least when I heard like the whole album was like, this all makes sense together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it it worked. But doing that with purpose this time around and having time, like you're saying, to to, to throw away songs. How does your writing process look like since uh, for the three of you? So during the holidays, we did a meetup where Clay had written like 40 demos. 
Like oh some God. of them were only a minute. Some of them were full songs. And I'm like, some of these, of these things he's had for a very long time. Yeah. So we brought them to the studio. Jeff and I and him listened all together. And we wrote, you know, our favorite top 10 or top whatever. We put them in a, a folder of like, these were the chosen ones. So there's about, you know, 25 songs that we chose. And then um, at home, you know, I have them all in a logic project just lined out. Mm-hmm. And I'm picking ones that I feel inspired to write too. And I write a little bit at a time. Like, sometimes I jump around. Sometimes there's like one where I was very, you know, excited to write too. So I wrote the whole song for that mm-hmm. one. And then, um, you know, kind of getting together and sharing those with Jeff and getting his input and even sharing with some other people that aren't in the project, mm. some other musicians that we trust and um, getting their insight has been really, really cool because I feel like we didn't really have that last time. And I love getting that crowdsource of like, they know our material, they know the audience because we usually have similar audiences. Mm. And then they tell us, you know, it would be cool if you did this or I love what you did here because, you know, whatever. And yeah. it's nice to get that feedback this time. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's exciting. An album last year and then an album this year, um, yeah. putting back to back. Uh, and your fans and people who have been following you already kind of have a – an idea of a base level for sound, like for everything, like with with the album. Um, and now I think it's just creating a lot more hype to see what comes out next. As yeah. far as like, I was looking through a, a few of the comments and everybody was like, uh, early on was like, uh, I think even like uh, under like your first song, Wretched, they were just like, oh, like how is this like not going crazy yet? You know what I mean? And um, seeing it just like evolve and more so with people like, know more of it and I, again like the progression of just like people or dipping back um i saw a few of those comments where like people were like heard the album we're going back like um and watching like the visuals for like all the earlier stuff um which is really cool but the the progression of like your growth has been pretty fast <laughs> um and um i don't know like it it, it must feel wild i guess just uh, just the ride yeah, it it really has. Like, if I look back at sometimes my Facebook memories tell mm-hmm. me I only started singing like six years ago. Oh wow! Um, like really singing. Like mm-hmm. obviously I had done the karaoke and things like that. But you know, going into vocal training and and really sitting down with my voice, I haven't been singing that long. I haven't been screaming that long. And so every year we go, I look back at the reels and I look back at even the material. If you listen to some of our earlier songs, Mm -hmm. my vocal level there versus some of the later stuff, there's a little bit of a gap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even Jeff in the studio, whenever we were recording, we were doing some live takes and he was like, you've been singing. And at first I was like, what do you mean? Like, I wasn't singing. (laughs) And he's like, no, like, I can tell, like, you've been singing a lot. Because I didn't realize we hadn't been in the studio with him since the album. Mm. And we went in, you know, it had been like over six months. And I had done so many of the reels and and other collaborations where I was pushing myself that I was able to have, you know, a pretty significant jump in not only my abilities, but my stamina, my emotions, all those things. And so I'm hoping that just never stops because I love looking back and seeing the growth because every time when I would get to a point, I would say, man, I'm at my peak. Like I'm looking back and I'm so different now. And I feel like so amazing about everything I've done. I'm just really proud of myself. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be another six months and I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, hell, like I've actually grown again. And it's yeah. just, it's the most rewarding thing to me because I love exploring and learning new things. I love seeing what other people are doing and saying like, that'd be cool to try or just being inspired by it, mm-hmm. whether that's lyrically or melodically or just the style of it, seeing how I can incorporate that in my own way without just being a direct ripoff at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the uh, the the digital footprint helps a lot with um, seeing your progress because yeah. it, it is. I, I get a lot of times where I'm just like in this box so so closely that I don't pay attention. I think like, oh, I'm this is okay. Like anytime someone's like, oh, you know, what are you doing this and that? I'm like, oh, I'm just doing this. And it, it isn't until I take that step back and look. I'm like, oh, like there's a giant difference here, yeah. you know. And uh, being able to appreciate that, but uh, I think. Especially what I, I've seen as far as like with your growth and what I've seen like with stuff um, with me personally, it's just consistency is what gets you there. It's yeah. like is um, just keep doing it, not being afraid to try like different things that shouldn't work together and make them work together um, or figuring out what your style and being OK with stuff if it doesn't work out. The, the thing you said is something I say to myself. You said this early on in the podcast, but it's like, oh, like not. I don't like I'm not right all the time like I don't have like the answers all the time where you're talking about collaborative efforts or letting go of the wheel Um, that is something that I have to like stop myself and think about as well too it's like oh it's the collaborative efforts help me just build more like being open to like other ideas right Um, and I and you've done a a, like a a lot of collaborations that I've seen and working with other people Um, like Coolest one, the uh, the Tulip uh, collab for the uh, for the thriller video. Yeah, that was that fun. production was crazy, um, and it was uh, just at like some abandoned house, like out in. I, I was trying to read where it was, so somewhere yeah. in Texas, but I can't remember the name of the city. Um, it's near Stephenville. What was it called? Um, was it the G? Gordon. Yeah, Gordon, Gordon oh, okay, Texas. Is, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so Ashley and Colin of Tulip, they own some property out there. They're planning to eventually build something, I guess. But mm. right now it's just some land. So we filmed the graveyard scene there. Um, and the guitar solo was up on a yeah. rock out there. And then there's a little town that's not too far from their land. That's Gordon, Texas. Mm. And it's the smallest place I've ever been. Yeah. And I grew up in a small town. And oh. mine was run down. Like all the shops were always closed. It was like full of dust from mm. like the 50s. Oh, wow. And this was like a step further. Oh, my God. It was, like, <laughs> there was like haunted houses, like old gas stations. Like mm. everything was super old timey. It just looked like something got frozen in time. Wow. But then the people still live there. Mm. And so it was wild to, to just go there and film and, like, you know, the people were coming out. They're like, nothing happens in this town. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, you guys need to go when you graduate high school because it was like high school years yeah. and stuff. And they're like, we've never seen anything like this. And they were taking photos with us, which I was like, that's mm. so goofy. But oh. obviously, if they grew up there, like, they didn't, they don't know. And we looked like a movie crew out there with our all the stuff. Yeah. We <laughs> and so it was it was a lot of fun to, to go in that haunted house. It was really creepy. Yeah. There were dolls, like, face down on the ground and, like, broken glass. I, oh my gosh. I want to say it used to be an antique shop, maybe, because they had these cases with things in them that mm. it looks like someone just walked out one day and never came back. Oh, it was really wild. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I was like, this is a creepy house. Creepy. Well, it, it did the job, though. Yeah, yeah, it looked cool, though. <laughs> yeah, it looked it looked awesome. Um, I remember seeing that video. And just like everything, like the, the, the choreography with like the dancers and stuff like that, the actual song itself, like how. Um, Felt like it was. Re- I guess it's it's showing a little bit more of like the the creativity behind it. The, using the, the the screen for the narrator voice was like uh, so smart. Like it just worked perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, yeah, it's it, it's a really big production. But talking about that, yeah, like the people in a town that doesn't have like, for example, what we have like here in this like DFW area yeah. is insane. For like. Um, I don't know. I don't. I used to not think about it. I think about it now more of like the access uh, that I have to the wide range of like music and just people. Um, and food. And food, yeah. <laughs> and just people like out in towns like that. Cause I, I forgot one time I went down to uh, Acuna in Mexico right on the border, but I took like this back row. So it was all these small towns and literally like 
I would drive five minutes and I'd be through the town. I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, that's all they have out here. And like, <laughs> like, you got to reverse to go yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I just crossed that. Let me go back. <laughs> um, but yeah, seeing, seeing like kids who grew up without like that scene and figuring out like how to get it to them. So then uh, I realized here, like if there's a show, there's a tour coming by, for the most part, there'll be something I can go to pretty quickly. If it's yeah. not here, it's in Dallas or Denton, whatever. Like it's not too far that I have to go through. Like uh, most tours stop by yeah. here. Um, but being somewhere there and like and having to travel like to see some of these bands. I remember, I forget who, uh, Noise Rock booked somebody and somebody told us like, oh, we drove 12 uh, hours to get to the show. And oh we we're just God. like, what? He's like, yeah, they, they don't ever, no one ever stops at our town. Like, and nowhere near. Like, this was the closest one. And I'm like, wow. Can you imagine 12 hours? Yeah, it was, it was nuts. I'm like, you must really love this band. Like, oh. You must be so bored. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, if nothing's coming by your town, you might be. You know yeah. I mean? um, That's cool, though, that they're willing to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, I do like that. Um, that idea of like being a, such a like, fan of something just wanting to experience this because live that's what that's why i'm excited that you are planning to take this live because live shows and live music has just been so influential like in my life just those experiences like seeing those bands for the first time like or seeing your favorite band uh for uh for the first time or over and over again like uh my so my my girlfriend's favorite band is the main and she saw them like six times last year but like two of them were here like all mm-hmm. everything was out of town and stuff like that and for a little bit, I'm like, man, that's a lot of times to see your favorite band. But like, my favorite band is uh, Sleep Token. They just oh, came yeah. last year, right? So I, I got to see them, and like, it, I was just in my moment. I like, I think I took out my phone for like a second. And I was gonna record something. I was like, you know what? Never mind. I put yeah. it in my pocket. I'm like, I'm just gonna be here. Yeah. And uh, walking out of that, I'm like telling her, I was like, if this is how you feel every time you see your favorite band, I don't blame you, like, for wanting to see them as many times as yeah. possible. Um, but that that is moments that people get to have with your music and i'm sure once you take it on tour people will have those moments with like with you which would be amazing like for those people and will create more connections like with yourself to bring people more to like your music again uh like like you were saying there's more people that have stuff in common that relate to like these songs and make them feel something um and then we'll just get to add to that when they get to see it and experience it yeah and the cool thing about live is even though you're, you know, replicating music that you have and it's it's not like you're writing things on the spot, there's an ephemeral nature to it that this is the only time you're going to perform it like this in this place with these people. Mm-hmm. And so you're creating this experience and maybe you decide to change up the melody or do something wacky or tell a joke between the set, you know, like, is there something cool about the opportunity to make it something new and not just sing it exactly as it is on the track or on the, the album? And I think that's just a beautiful thing to yeah. know that it's fleeting yeah absolutely it's it's a moment captured in time and that moment will never happen again you know yeah. but it'll it will hold you over like we I, I think we all have like those songs and moments that remind us of like specific things or smells or whatever yeah like oh this reminds you of this but a live show creates that moment like on the spot and you it's weird because of like the sound and stuff i feel like you you get to feel it it's more like it's a more intense feeling and if you're out in the crowd like you are in a crowd of people that are there for that same thing too. So you're all like sharing and like the same like experience together. It's uh it's it's such a great time. Like I've I've partied with strangers at like shows where we're just like it's singing so cool. songs and just like grab somebody yeah. and like, oh we're singing this song together. Yeah. And it's like I don't know that person. Like we and we never talked again. It's like it's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah, you know, we had the moment like exists still. Um uh, and getting able to experience that over again. So I'm excited 
um, that you're planning on doing that. I'm excited for the album. Um, I'm just stoked on everything that you have uh, coming up. And I'm sure that it's it's only going to keep going up from here because um, you're you're extremely talented. Uh, the team behind you is extremely talented, and you all have seemed to have like the mindset to um, continue doing cool stuff that you enjoy and in being able to push yourself to learn more. Um, so I'm super excited. Thank you again for stopping by. Um, I really really appreciate it. And uh, uh, it's Daedric. You, your handles are Daedric on everything, right? Yeah, Daedric yeah. officials. Daedric official. Yeah. Okay, sick. Um, so maybe new album this year. Maybe some touring this year. Uh, anything else? A um, couple of cool collabs coming out soon too. The deluxe album release is also scheduled from the Mortal Things. There will be some reimagined things, some remixes Ooh. from other artists. So cool stuff to look forward to, and also the instrumentals because everyone's always like, "Do you have instrumentals?" And I'm like, "Yes." But you have to wait. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's a smart thing to, to have anyway, is like just instrumentals for stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. That's going to be awesome. Uh, again, thank you for stopping by. This has been episode 94 with Daedric. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next time.